0: Good morning, everyone. Thank you, pastors, for giving me this wonderful opportunity to preach God's word to all of you today. i also like to thank all of you all for your support and your prayers, even for my theological studies at TDC over the past three years. And as you can see from the next picture, there's a, a picture of me and my wife, Jaina, at my graduation. And I think, pastors I shared before a few weeks ago about uh, both of our recent graduations. So thank you all for your wonderful support. Thank thank you. TTC was indeed a challenging season of my life, but indeed all praise and thank God for His grace for seeing me through this season. And I see my three years as a spiritually forming journey as I continue to learn and depend more on Christ. And hence today, I would like to share with you some things that I've learned uh, during this past three years' journey especially with regards to the doctrine of the church. What is our role? Some of the ideas for for this sermon have been adapted from the book titled The Trellis and the Vine. And as you can see, the the next slide shows a picture of the book, which I want to give credit to. Let us take some time to pray. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus, may we be attentive to hear your word, And obey you. Give us an awesome sense of your presence through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peter has been attending church for the past few years regularly doing Sunday services. Once a year doing the serve God, serve one another. He feels God speaking to him to serve. However, he does not feel or wants to respond to serve. He feels that serving is the role of the church staff, church pastors, or perhaps the more on uh, Christian, in a sense, the more excited, the more enthusiastic Christian. So let's leave it up to them. As long as I have attended church regularly, as long as I have attended cell group, that's all that I need to do. Mary is a new believer, and she attends cell group regularly, She's interested in learning more and growing in the faith. Her church friends asked her to attend Bible study classes, asked her to attend D1, D2, D3, D4. Attending one class after another, though it was very helpful, she feels that something is still amiss. It feels like a lot of hate knowledge. She doesn't see much transformation at times. She yearns for someone to journey with her closely, where they can share their spiritual life. Where can she find that? Do you relate to any of their experience? Today's sermon hopes to address this. So before we go to our passage in Ephesians, it's important to understand its settings first. To understand the settings of Ephesians, uh, the Bible gives us the answer from Acts 18 uh, and chapter 20. From there, it's quite probable that the Church of Ephesus is a mature church located at a strategic area. In Acts 19, because of Paul's preaching over two years, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. From Acts 19, the people are fervent Artemis worshippers. The temple of Artemis is one of the seven wonders of the world. So great is the Artemis Artemis of the Ephesians, is a very strong culture there. To give us some context of Ephesians 1 to 3, uh, in in a very brief summary, Paul wants them to continually know God's plan and the church role in it. He wants to prepare them for the temptation of the world, such as the temple of Artemis, that will discourage us from God's plan. So let us look at our passage for today, to find out uh, uh, how we can indeed fulfill the role that God has called us. So let's uh, go to the slides with the passage. And maybe uh, I want to invite all of you all to read it together. Uh, It's from verse 7 to verse 16. Okay, so uh, on the count of three, one, two, three. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And (laughs) Paul says, when he ascended on high He led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might feel all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the Word of God. So Ephesians 4-6 shows us the role the church is called to fulfill. Just a very brief summary before we go into our passage proper. Verse 1 to 6, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 6, is a call to walk and maintain the unity that we have in Christ because of the common faith that we share. This shows us that we are on the same team. But verse 7 has the word but, so when you see the word but, it shows a contrast. So while this oneness was used to describe unity so this oneness in verse 1 to 6 was used to describe unity the one the, the word one in verse 7 is now emphasizing the individual the individual one in the body of Christ in other words basically what i'm saying that, that there is diversity within the one united body i repeat again within this one united body unity there's diversity And from verse 7 to 10, Paul highlights that each of us are given different gifts by Christ to contribute to the building up of the church. Therefore, as we reflect on this passage, we must ask ourselves, what is our role in the church? What does it mean to be part of a church? For most people, we probably define it as being part of a church means my attendance in church, my attendance in cell groups. That's what it means to be part of a church. We come to church because of the preaching by pastors, and we want. And sometimes we feel like changing church because, ah I don't really like the preaching here. Yeah. For some of us, perhaps we come to Amokyo because of the strong children and youth ministry that we have, which are definitely very helpful for our kids. All of these desires are not wrong, but they should be secondary. Our main priority for coming to church, is to worship God and to serve God with our gifts. We are not just consumers, just coming to church to receive a service from the church. All of us, including myself, all of us, we are responsible for building up the church. You may ask, how about the average church member? Isn't this the gospel of grace? Why do I have to work out my salvation? Let's look at Philippians 1, uh, verse 7, uh, on the slides, uh, maybe let's read together, uh, 3. One, two, three. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. The church in Philippi were partners with Paul in the gospel ministry. So according to Paul, if you read the book of Philippians, or even read any of his letters, are there two classes of Christians where one can sit at the back and relax and all the rest serve? In Paul's mind, no way. There's no thing as two classes or two level of Christians. All of us, everyone, are expected to be involved in the gospel ministry, there is no excuse for any one of us not to be involved. And in today's context, sometimes the term member, you know, member, being a member of church, may not fully capture this idea, though I definitely agree that member is a biblical term. This is because when we think about membership, usually, we are influenced by ideas from today's context of the world, where, oh, I turn out to be a member, Right, in order to receive certain benefits. Oh, I sign up for gym membership so that I get to go to the gym or I get to sign up for classes. So, usually, that's our mentality of what membership is all about. And because of this mentality, some of us might ask, Oh, yeah, sign up to be a Mokyo member for what? I mean, not really, not much difference, right? It's just only in certain nuances. Why do I need to sign up to be a church member of Mokyo? Hence, The term partner might capture this idea better where we are partnering together for the same goal. So perhaps some familiar terms in today's context like business partner, life partner, you know, this idea of partnership, perhaps capture this idea better about partnering together for the same goal for the gospel ministry. So hence, each of us, every one of you, sitting right here, including myself, we need to see ourselves as partners in this gospel ministry. In verse 16, it says that when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each of us, each every one of us here is part of the body of Christ. And the body only grows if each of us do our part. Can you imagine, you know, if I go back home tonight and tell, complain to my wife Gina, hey, why is the floor so dirty? Do you know what she will tell me? Should, I'm sure y'all can guess, she'll definitely what, scold me, right? Like, why oh, I see the floor dirty. She'll say, hey, we already divided the housework already. And I am supposed to be cleaning the floor. Right? I'm supposed to be all supposed to clean the floor. And this is my house too. So I have a part to play in ensuring that the house is neat and tidy. The house is not clean, it's because I didn't do my part. And it's not because, oh, it's Jaina's fault, oh, it's someone else's fault, oh, it's everyone else's fault, except my fault. So similarly, Amokyo Methodist Church, all of us in Amokyo Methodist Church, this is our church too. We all have our own part to play, though it may be different, but we all have a part to play? Could it be the church is not growing because we didn't do our part? Have you thought about this question before? What if the issue starts with us first? And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you can't point out any areas of improvement in the church, but most of the time, we come in the spirit of complaint. Instead, it's important for us to give constructive feedback, and perhaps also volunteer to help out in areas that you see are not doing good. Instead of wanting the church to meet all of my demands, oh, it's all about me, it's all about what I want. Perhaps ask yourself, how can you contribute? And don't misunderstand me; I'm not asking you to what, contribute everywhere in every area of the church. Don't misunderstand me; I'm not asking you to serve what, 24/7. But asking ourselves to first ask yourself. This is our church. We are partners. We need to help one another. We need to contribute. So, my first point here is that we are partners. We are not consumers of the church. Each of us must do our part in order for the body to grow. And hence, that's why in my sermon title, I put there partners and I cross out member. Not that member is not correct, but I want to help us recapture this idea of partnership. In the Gospel, so you might ask then, how can we contribute to the church growth? So first, we must be equipped. Moving on to verse eleven to twelve Paul highlights five gifts or five groups of people: apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, which can also be translated as pastor if you look at the Bible footnote and teachers, and what they have in common uh, word gifts related to God's revelation, revealing, and teaching God's word. Pastor and teacher are probably one group, uh, pastor teacher, and hence their role, as say all this, this common group of people, their role is that of uh, equipper, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So, pastors, PTMers, their primary role is not to do the work of ministry. We often think it's the full-time staff, or to do all the work, and then, okay, let me assist them a bit. In fact, it is the reverse. It is the role of every church member to do the work of ministry. Pastors, PTMers, or all those in ministry, they play the role of equipper or trainer in that sense. So you may ask me, okay, what is this this idea of equipping? What do you mean by that? So I'm going to use a soccer analogy uh, for those soccer fans out there. I'm going to use a soccer analogy that I get, got from a book, Efficiency for You, uh, by Richard Corkins. So according to him, church is like a soccer match. Most of the time, church members think that they are the audience, or I'm the audience in you know, the spectators, in the soccer match, watching the match. We think that we are the audience. They are watching the pastors who are the soccer players who are the the, the 22 players kicking the ball. The pastors are the ones who are playing the match. However, the correct analogy should be that pastors are like the soccer coach. Pastors are like Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, and the players on the field are the church members. The pastor coach is training the church members who are the soccer players how to play the match of loving God and loving one another. And the spectators, the audience of the soccer match, are the world, the non-believers, the family, the friends, the colleagues who are watching how the church is living out their faith. So this analogy that i have shared with you all should shift the way perhaps we think about ministry. As church members, as church partners, we are the main person doing the ministry. And the pastors are coaching, training us, and sometimes also getting out on the field as well. So you may ask me, okay, so what is this work of ministry that we are being equipped to do? So from the context of the passage, the work of ministry seems to be alluding to speaking the truth in love to one another in verse 15. Cause the effects of speaking the truth in love is also seen in verse verse 16 is the growth of the whole body And the body is being built up in love. So speaking the truth in love leads to the growth of the body, building up the body. And hence, this is the same effect in verse 12, where equipping the saints for the work of ministry leads to the building up of the body of Christ. Hence, all of us here contribute to the church growth by speaking the truth in love to one another. So while each of us we have our different functions to play in the body of Christ, as we are made up of different parts of the body, one common role that everyone, that all of us must and should do is to speak the truth in love to one another. What is speaking the truth in love? He's probably not referring to like, you know, trying to tell someone a bad news and then you all oh, have to tell this person this, bad, this truth of this bad news in love, Paul is probably not referring about uh, this idea of speaking the truth in love, though that is included, but primarily he's referring to the truth of who God is, or in other words, doctrine or biblical truths of who God is. And why do I say that? This can be seen in verse 13, where the aim, one of the aims of ministry is unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. See, so it's very doctrinal, the knowledge of the Son of God. Also, in verse 14, Paul was also very concerned how we are not to be like children, being deceived by false doctrine. doctrine. Hence, all of this supports that the truth Paul is talking about is biblical truths. So through speaking biblical truths to one another, the body grows. So some common question that some of you may ask is that, isn't listening to the Sunday sermons enough for the body to grow? Pastor theology confirms solid one. No no problem. Since pastors, local preachers, they speak the truth of God, like right now I'm doing to everyone at the same time, we just learn from the pastors. Isn't that good enough? Doesn't this fulfill what Ephesians is trying to ask us to do? What I'm going to say next might sound controversial to some of you, but while Sunday sermons are essential and important, they are not sufficient. Let me repeat again just in case some of you misunderstand me. While Sunday sermons are essential and important, they are not sufficient. They are not enough. So yes, we need good and faithful preaching. Preaching on Sunday is a platform where all of us, God's people, we are both comforted and sometimes challenged by God's Word to grow. So don't misunderstand me. The preaching ministry by the pastors, the preaching ministry by local preachers are very important. And I'm so thankful for the labour of love for all of us. However, if you look at the passage today, it is not only the role of the pastor to speak God's Word, to proclaim God's Word. God has called all Christians, all believers to speak God's word to one another. While we may not come up here to preach, all of us have a role to play in speaking the truth in love, speaking God's word to one another. In in Peter Adams' book on preaching, speaking God's word, he says, I'm going to do a few quotations, while preaching is one form of the ministry of the word, many other forms are reflected in the Bible and in contemporary Christian church life. It is important to grasp this point clearly, or we shall try and make preaching carry a load which we cannot bear. That is the burden of doing all that the Bible expects of every form of ministry of the word. He also added on about Sunday preaching in the next slide. While individuals may be edified in so far as they are members of the congregation, there may well be other areas in which they need correction and training in righteousness, which they will not obtain through the Sunday sermon, because by its very nature it is generally in application. In other words, the Sunday sermon, like what we're happening today, is not the only area for the ministry of the word. There are many other areas, there are many different forms of word ministry which involves all of us here. Also, the Sunday sermon, is uh, even today itself, or in, in other Sunday sermons, are usually general and not specific in its application. Hence, it may not always directly apply to our situation. And hence, as what the author says, there will be other areas, other platforms, where we will still need training and correction and learning the Word of God. So point two, the primary way of partnering the church is ministering or speaking God's word to one another as equipped by pastors. So you may be wondering, where and how do we minister God's word to one another? If you look at verse 15 again, there is a deeper meaning to the phrase, speaking the truth. The phrase, in my opinion, the phrase, speaking the truth, might not be the best translation of the Greek, of the Greek word. Now I'm not going to confuse you with the Greek, but I'm just going to do a short explanation. If you look at the Greek, it's actually one Greek word. You know, speaking the truth is actually one Greek word, and if you translate it literally, it means truthing. But there's no such word as truthing, or at least, from my knowledge, in the English English word. So they added the word speaking. This is supported by uh, John Stock, uh, which I quote him. From his work, in his work, the message of Ephesians, he writes uh, in the next slide. Yeah, speaking the truth in love is not the best rendering of this expression, for the Greek verb makes no reference to our speech. Literally, and so he's trying to translate literally. It means truthing in love, and this truthing in love includes the notion of maintaining, living, and doing the truth. Truthing. In love, this meaning definitely and will include speaking the truth in love. But what I'm trying to say is that is more than speaking. It's also living out the truth. This is also supported from the context of our Ephesians 4 to 6. If you are familiar with that uh, book of Ephesians, it's all about living out the truth, walking in love as you interact with one another, especially with your spouse and those living in your household. So we do not just love by our words. You know, talk is easy. It's easy to love with our words. But we also love through our conduct. And this means that truthing and love is best done in the relational context as we share each other's life. We encourage each other with God's truth. So some of you may ask how about attending, you know, okay, what if I go attend a Bible study class, discipleship programs that are offered by the church. Again, programs and discipleship classes are important, are necessary, but yet again, they are not sufficient. Yes, these classes are very effective as you are able to impart biblical knowledge, you are able to impart certain skills that this course intends to to teach us to a large group of audience at the same time. Sometimes it feels a bit like mass production, and I have personally benefited from many of all these causes, such as BMC, D1, and the list goes so that even attending TDC is also like a course, also sitting, for, sitting in the classroom. So I have personally benefited, and I encourage you to continue to sign up for them and to go for them. But we must recognize that they are not sufficient. We should not be over reliant on programs. This is because spiritual growth is not only about knowing the right doctrine. It is about life transformation. We've only assumed as long as there are application questions, as long as I just put in some application questions, we are definitely going to help them apply the word of God. Do we follow up with what people say that they will do during this application time? That they say they will do? The, is, the answer is that we rarely follow up with people. We just, you know, they share, we just accept what they say, and I too am guilty of that. Sometimes when I say certain things during the application, after I go back home, I forget about it. And so all of us, we are all guilty of that. But don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Bible study doesn't help people follow Christ, but what I'm saying is i rather our approach to it. Sometimes we focus too much on information, ideas. Instead of helping people to leave it out. As Pastor Edmund Chan puts it, and I think I've said this many times before in the next slide, truth doesn't change lives. Truth applied changes life. And uh, some of you may know, Reverend Dr. Tansu In says this in his article. In this article, Friends in Transition, he says that knowing what we should do does not necessarily mean that we have the moral courage and will to actually do what we know we should we need encouragement and accountability to live out our faith and we need models these things can only happen in deep intimate relationship so hence while programs are important are helpful they should not be the main way truthing in love is done truthing in love should instead be a a way we carry ourselves every day in our daily lives, in our day-to-day lives, including, and most helpfully, in intimate and small group settings. How have you experienced spiritual growth yourself? For myself, as a newcomer to foreigner's family, I don't think there's any any foreigner's family here. About 13 years ago, I I was in foreigner's, About 13 years ago, I was assigned to someone to follow up with me. This person, which I don't embarrass him, so I didn't name him, he met me regularly to do Bible study and teach me the fundamentals of the Christian faith. So some of you may be familiar with the New Life class, all these things. He went through all these materials with me. And one of the memorable things that I learned from him was really how to pray. This person wasn't a leader. In fact, he was very shy, very soft-broken, always working behind the scenes. You wouldn't consider him as someone like a leader, a preacher, or a teacher, or even a leader. Right? From our world point of view, he's probably uh, sitting at the back. Not the typical leader you commonly assume should be. But he has such a great heart to follow me so regularly, meeting weekly, fortnightly, just sharing his life with me as best as he could. And I'm quite sure that without God working through Him, I wouldn't be here today. So what do you gather from this short example that I'm trying to tell you? That spiritual growth often occurs in intimate relationships where we watch over one another in love with the truth of God. Truthing in love is best facilitated in the context of intimate relationships. So my third point here is that we minister God's word to one another in the context of intimate relationships, truthing and love. So let me share my own example on how I attempt to do this. At home, since the start of our marriage in 2021, Jaina and myself have this future habit of praying for one another before we sleep. And we try our best to do this daily, uh, and most of the time, because Jaina and myself prefer sleep early, so oftentimes you have to try to uh, be on the bed by 10+. And on a weekly basis, we also do book study and class meeting questions where we ask each other how a spiritual walk with God is doing. So to be honest, last year, uh, a certain period of time, we actually took a pause as we were overwhelmed with various things. But uh, to share with you all, uh, honestly, I have since repented and this year, uh, we just started the book of Ephesians and we are doing class meeting questions during our weekly date night. Recently in our conversation, Jaina often reminds me to be fully dependent on God. This is because I have the tendency to rely on my own abilities, I have the tendency to rely on my own experience on how I should do things. And because of Jaina God, uh, speaking God's word to me, I get a wake up call. I say, yeah, I shouldn't be relying on my own experience and she reminds me of that. And because of that, I remind myself to pray. I remind myself to always depend on God for His strength and His wisdom. Though I, have, though I will often fall, definitely, that's sure. But I often am reminded and will always continue to press on and not give up. So without her truth, thing, and love to me, I perhaps might still be self-deluded. I perhaps might still be relying on myself. So that's how truth, thing, and love a That's one of the ways that truthing love has definitely helped me. Our family, our homes, are one of our primary relationships that God has given all of us. This can also be seen in the emphasis in Ephesians. From Ephesians 5 verse 22 to chapter 6 verse 9, there's a long list of instructions for Christian households on how they should be truthing in love to one another. How have we been thrifting in love to our family members? Do you do family devotions or read the Bible for your children? Or do you think that this is the responsibility of the children, youth ministry? You know, it's their responsibility. And to set the record straight, the answer is that it's the primary responsibility for parents to teach, to read, and to guide the children in the Bible. If you are married, do you set aside time to pray for one another on a regular basis? Do you set aside time to share with each other your spiritual walk? Or is the conversation most of the time all about all the housework that needs to be done, the traveling plans, I don't know, the other works that needs to be done? Start, set aside some time weekly to truth in love to each other. If you are single, you can also read the Bible and pray with your siblings. Or parents and as both singles and married people we can also have spiritual friends outside of the family and if you are in a cell group um, that's great and I continue to encourage you to do that because truthing in love occurs in a cell group too however we need spiritual friends in smaller and more intimate settings for greater accountability to occur So if you are already in a small accountability group, like uh, 3 to 1 or band meetings, where you meet regularly to inquire about how a spiritual walk is, do continue to meet. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Do continue to meet. That's great. But for those who are not in such settings, and joining an accountability group feels like a very big jump, let me suggest to you, uh, and at least from from today's sermon, to read the Bible, one-to-one with someone, or to read the Bible in groups of three. And my suggestion here is that you can use uh, this book, uh, David Helms' book, in the next slide, uh, One-to-One Bible Reading. David Helms, in his book, he says that one-to-one Bible reading is something a Christian does with another person on a regular basis. For a mutually agreed upon length of time, with the intention of reading through and discussing a book or part of a book of the Bible. He offers practical suggestions. In the book, he offers practical suggestions and also offers some guiding questions on how you can read different books of the Bible. So in different types of uh, genre of the Bible, there's certain different strategies in approaching uh, the book. So he will help and guide you in that. The goal of reading the Bible one-to-one, as what I'm proposing to all of us, It's not just to gain Bible knowledge but it is to sit down and listen to what God is speaking to us through His Word. And after the Bible reading, after the application, ask each other how your spiritual walk with God is and pray for one another. Keep each other accountable. Remember that you are not doing this by your own strength, you're not doing this by your own abilities, by your own intellectual abilities. As described in the efficient passage that I read today, Christ is the source of the church growth. Christ is the center. So in all that we do, in all that I'm sharing with you today, depend on Christ. And Christ is the end goal that we're working towards as a corporate body. So in conclusion, let me sum up uh, today's sermon. In conclusion, point one is that we are partners and not consumers of the church. Each of us must do our part in order for the body to grow. Instead of complaining and wanting the church to meet your demands, ask yourself, how can you contribute? Second point here is that the primary way of partnering the church is ministering God's word to one another as equipped by pastors. Remember the analogy that I gave you? Pastors are like soccer coach equipping, training us soccer players here to do the work of ministry. It is not only the role of pastors to preach and to proclaim God's word. God has called all Christians, all of us, to speak God's word to one another. And even if you are serving in a particular area in church, this does not exclude you. We all have to speak God's word to one another. My third and final point is that we minister God's Word to one another in the context of intimate relationships, shifting in love. So our programs are important. Don't be too over-reliant on them, as their main goal is often knowledge and information transfer. Spiritual growth is not only about knowing the right doctrine, it is about life transformation. So, my main preaching point today here is that as partners, all of us here, we are partners working together as partners of Amokyo Medis Church. So, I'm very specific as partners of Amokyo Medis Church. We minister to one another. We speak God's word to one another by truthing in love as equipped by pastors. So, I'm going to cast out a vision for all of us. Imagine with me. Let us be bold. Imagine with me that if all Amokyo Medi's church partners trusting in love, reading the word on, and praying in your private devotions, doing family devotions regularly, praying with your children before they go to sleep, praying with your wife, asking her how her spiritual walk is, praying with your parents, praying with your siblings, reading the word of God with them, on a weekly basis, you meet up with a non-Christian colleague over lunch and ask how is he doing, and if the opportunity arises, ask if he's willing to do a book study with you. On a fortnightly basis, you meet with a new believer on a one-to-one basis to do follow-up. Perhaps on a once-a-month basis, you meet up with a more mature Christian for accountability. If you do this, if every one of us do this, this will be a powerful movement, not a program of personal relationship, prayer, reading the Word of God. And if all of us did our individual part, regardless of background, regardless of spiritual maturity, we will all be able to reach everyone. Everyone will be trusting in love. Everyone will be ministered to by the presence of Christ, not just only in this church, but beyond the church as well as we minister God's Word uh, to our pre-believing friends as well. So this is the vision I have for Amokyo Medi-Church. This is what, will us be bold, let us be looking forward to what God has in store for us, and let us partner with God and one another to do this. Let us pray. As the music uh, team uh, play some um, music background, let us take some time to reflect on the Word today. So again some time to reflect. As you hear God's word today, do not say that this is not me, it doesn't apply to me. Do not say that you are nobody. All of us here, we are all equals. We all have been saved by the grace of God. Each of you have been saved by the grace of God. And hence each of us are partners of Amokyo Methodist Church. So let this truth sing in deeply in us that we are partners. But yet at the same time, I acknowledge that we may have certain fears in our hearts. Certain inadequacy, certain setbacks, the Lord knows it all. He knows your fear. But remember that Christ is the one who has given you gifts. Christ is the one that is equipping you to the pastor. Christ is the source of the church growth. So you do not have to worry but just be led by Christ as you do your part in partnering with Him. So let this truth sink in deeply in us that we are partners in God's kingdom work. And let us also think about how we can be truthing in love to one another. I want to invite us to pray and ask God to reveal to you one person that you can start with. You can be with your spouse, it can be with your family members, it can be even your close friend or best friend. Take a time now to ask the Lord to be bold, to reveal to you. Do not waste this time of not responding to God's word today. So I want to encourage all of us to ask the Lord to reveal to you one person or two person And as the Lord reveals to you, this particular person, respond to the Lord by saying, yes, I will, yes, I am, I will do something about it. I will meet up with the person regularly to speak the truth of God to him or her. as you respond to him I pray that after we leave this sanctuary that you will really indeed go and meet up and talk to this person what you say you will do I pray that the Lord will help you obey and fulfill his command so dear Lord we commit all our brothers and sisters, all partners in Christ, partnering together for your ministry, recognizing that you are the one that enable us. You are the one that equip us uh, through the pastors, through the PTMers. You are the one who will give us that source. You are the source of our growth. So Lord, uh, will you minister to us here today? May you help us to respond in faith even as we leave the century here afterwards that we were go and meet up with someone, we will indeed have a regular platform to really live out the truth of God in love to one another. So we commit all of us here in Amonkrum Medic church into your loving hands. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. So now the worship team will help lead us in the response song.